You are listening to the Center for Urban Research Teaching and Outreach's Curto Conversations podcast. In each episode, campus and community experts will highlight collaborations that contribute to the advancement of the human community. Marquette University is located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the traditional lands of Potawatomi, Ho-Chunk, and Menominee peoples along the southwest shores of Michigami, North America's largest system of freshwater lakes where the Milwaukee, Menominee, and Kinnikinnik rivers meet and the people of Wisconsin, Sovereign, Anishi, Nave, Ho-Chunk, Menominee, Anita, and Mohican nations remain present. Hi, and welcome to today's Crito Conversation podcast. My name is Gabriel Velez, and I'm an assistant professor in the College of Education here at Marquette. And I'm joined by three of my colleagues who work on one of the projects at Crito, the BLESSED Hub. And BLESSED stands for Black, Latino, Latina, Ecosystem, Support, and Transition Hub. And the colleagues are Saul, Veronica, and Walter. And they will introduce themselves in a minute but first, to give you a sense, today's episode of the podcast will focus on talking a little bit about the work that we do, but also providing the context. And the context is really about the need for greater collaboration, for synergy, and for really promoting efforts to address the inequities that Black and Latino Latina students face as they transition from middle school to high school, to post-secondary education, and then to their stable fulfilling job opportunities beyond that. So with that in mind, I'm going to hand it off first to Saul to introduce himself. Saul, go for it. Hola, hello, hola a todos. My name is Saul Lopez. I am a PhD student in the Educational Policy and Leadership Program here at Marquette. I'm a Milwaukee native, born and raised in the Milwaukee area, and I joined the team, I'd say, a year ago, starting my PhD program. Nice to meet y'all um, virtually or wherever you're listening to us. Hello. And hello, my name is Veronica Mancheno. I have lived in Milwaukee since 2007, and I was born and raised in Ecuador. At the age of 16, I spent one year in St. Vincent, West Indies as an exchange student, and that's where I learned English. At 19, I came to the States as a legal guardian to my brother, who was admitted for extensive reconstructive surgery at Shriners Hospital. Something interesting about my educational career is that I started in a community college. I started at Pleasant Prairie, and I was 21 years old when I started. I took 10 years to graduate from my undergrad degree as a teacher, and I graduated from Carthage College in Kenosha. And then I took four years to finish a master's in administrative and instructional leadership from Alberno College. I think it's important to highlight that because I started as an adult student, as a part-time student. It took longer, uh, but here I am in my second year of a doctoral program from the College of Ed at Marquette. My entire professional life has been in schools. I've been a secretary, classroom assistant, assistant to children differently abled, um, director of instructional um, leadership. And my passion and my research is the development of teachers of color. So I've joined Curdo this year as support and research assistant to Blessed Hub, and I'm super excited about the work we're doing. And good, hello everybody. I was going to say good morning, but <laughs> hello everybody. My name is Walter Lanier. I wear a couple hats in the city of Milwaukee. 
the most significant ones right now. I am the pastor of the Progressive Baptist Church here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and also the director of student resources at Milwaukee Area Technical College. One of the things that brought me to this conversation is I am the founder of our Men of Color program here at the Community of College. Like Saul and Veronica, I have a, a varied background. I'm a, a lawyer, a pastor, uh, a Midwestern guy. I've been in the Rust Belt all my life. I was born in Buffalo, New York, and lived there, then came to Detroit, Michigan, and then finally more cold and snow here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So I've been here since 1980. I have a, a deep passion for the city of Milwaukee. Milwaukee is rich in talents and gifts and abilities. And I think with the right mix and the right leadership and intentionality, we can really be a, a great city where great things take place. This is a strong team we have here, and I feel blessed to work with each and every one of them. Thank you all for the, those introductions. And Walter, I really appreciate that end part. You know, we're, we're coming recording this, what, like a week after Milwaukee was termed a terrible city on ESPN, right? I think Milwaukee ends up in the news often for a lot of struggles that it faces that are both structural in the sense of the segregation, they're historical. Uh, and these are the things that, that we're really trying to talk about and engage with, but particularly around young people and their educational transitions uh, into higher education and then also into employment. And so that kind of provides some of that context. We're going to start by, I'm going to hand it back to Walter in a second to discuss the background and context for the work that we're doing, as well as mm -hmm. why we use this term ecosystem, right? That kind of stands out. Maybe you're saying, oh, these folks from Marquette and Academia, and they're talking about ecosystems. You know, what does this have to do with on the ground with you know, the school that I work in, with the organization I'm a part of, with my life as a 17-year-old. But I think, you know, we want to provide some of that context to explain that. And then we're going to talk a little bit about some of the work that we've done in this first year plus of our, our initiative and, and our efforts. And then we're going to wrap it up really with a call and what our future directions are looking like and, and hopefully to engage you all. Our real mission with this is not to do this work in a silo. And in fact, that's part of what we're seeing is some of the challenges Milwaukee faces, but to really engage and be welcoming, inviting, and a connecting space for different folks who are working and, and living whose lives are this ecosystem we talk about. So I think I've now said ecosystem maybe four or five times, um, <laughs> you know, which is a word again that I understand is, is a little out there. So I'll hand it off to Walter, who can do, I think, a great job of explaining where this comes from. The work that we're doing, what an ecosystem is, and then what some of the needs that we see um, in this space are. Thanks, Gabe. And, and I think I may take either the, the credit or the blame, which whichever way applies for the ecosystem word. I, I'm pretty sure that's that's mine, and I'm glad it's it's sticking. So several things that I want to talk about, and I'll, I'll segue from uh, what you mentioned about Stephen A. Smith from ESPN talking about Milwaukee as a terrible city, and I do want to say that Milwaukee is still in the playoffs and his Knicks are not. So there you go, Stephen A. <laughs> right, right, right. Nonetheless, though, Milwaukee does have a, a depth and breadth of challenges. Uh, it is a highly segregated city and has been on the, uh, the top or the bottom, whichever way you do it, list uh, on for years, arguably at least for a decade. I think the data will show us it's a highly fragmented city. It's a highly siloed city. Uh, tragically, uh, in particular, it has some of the worst data points relative to equity and education. And so, so that's 
a problem, arguably the pro- uh, the problem, and then solution. You know, one of my favorite quotes, and I'm sure many others, is Nelson Mandela's quote: "Education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world." And so, for those of us who have a passion about changing the world, that is Milwaukee, Wisconsin, education is central. And so, a little bit of history: uh, myself and, and Dr. Rob, uh, Rob Smith who's now the director uh, for Curto, he and I have been having an ongoing conversation for at least a decade about this ecosystem. And this ecosystem, meaning in particular, the education triangle, if you look at three and a square, if you look at four points, that is formed by the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, MATC, Milwaukee Area Technical College, MPS, Milwaukee Public Schools, and Marquette University. And if you look at those three to four, four institutions, you're talking about uh, tens of thousands students of color and the same if you talk about boys and men of color. And even more particularly, if you're talking about the largest number of men of color working or laboring or moving through an institution, that is most likely MATC. About 22% of our population is is men of color. That's right around 7,000. And if you talk about boys of color, then you're talking about MPS, and that's tens of thousands. And so I was here at MATC, Rob was at UWM, and we always talked about how students flow through this system, through this ecosystem, because that is what happens. Students, the largest number that graduate from MPS that go on to college, end up uh, coming here to MATC. The second largest number go on to UWM. And so it's a natural pre-existing, all on its own, flow of system of people and sometimes students that go to one end up going to the other later and vice versa. And so our proposition way back then was, okay, are they flowing through well? Is it visible and discernible for students in particular, boys, men of color and women as well, to know which institution is better for them to start at, what the resources are? And we kept saying we need to do a better job of that as as a city, uh, particularly for our communities of color and even more particular black and brown. So he was at UWM then. He's the director of Curdle now. In 2014, you started to see more attention paid to this, particularly with uh, uh, President Obama's My Brother's Keeper program at the federal level. You started to see other institutions implementing programs. Uh, UWM has an African-American male summit every year that I think serves a couple thousand uh, boys uh, of color, but Black and Latino in particular. We have our Men of Color program here at MATC which is about 7,000 MPS, had their Black and Latino Male Achievement Program that started a little bit later than that. And then Marquette has a program called LAB. And so there's literally tens of thousands of Black and Brown boys and girls, men and women of color flowing through the system. And there's these different programs, but they're not necessarily working in coordination. There's not necessarily shared metrics. The city of Milwaukee had its My Brother's Keeper program so, but not a place where that was driven and coordinated. And so Rob and I began talking about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, along with some other colleagues. And we got a grant from the city of Milwaukee that formed Blessed. And the idea was, how can we collaborate together, find a few key data points, uh, in particular, the points of transfer from one institution to another. And the second is dual enrollment so that students and MPS could begin to get college credits and to really make the system, the ecosystem, more visible to the community and those who utilize it. And, and in particular, because Curto is what it is, a center for urban research, teaching, and outreach, uh, let's 
deposit data there. Let that be a, a, a data warehouse because we don't have a central place for that in the city relative to this ecosystem. And then that's where this blessed project was manifest. So we're about halfway through, of course, the pandemic hit. So that shifted some things, but we built a great network. We've begun to gather excellent data and we look forward to what the future holds. It's great to have this team together. And it's it's key because it's really rare inside the city. And then I'll pass, pass on to, to one of my colleagues to work across the silos. And this is a unique opportunity uh, to do this across this larger silo of the educational system, and not just education, but primarily so look, also looking at employment, so that we have shared data, shared information, and can really make visible the best of the work that's taking place in the city. Thanks for that that context and background, Walter. And I think you your knowledge and investment in it is just so clear, and and I really appreciate that. And one of the things I just want to emphasize too, based on what you were saying, is you know sometimes when we talk about the work we're doing, I think maybe rightfully so, people have the the sort of the the critical eye of like, okay, so you're just another kind of initiative here, another effort, and you're just kind of repeating or duplicating or reinventing the wheel, as the the sort of saying goes. And I, I love how you laid that out because our goal really is to to map out what's going on, which has not been done and then to identify maybe some of the gaps and some of the needs that are across the system and really be a connector and a catalyst. And in some places we can fill those gaps maybe because here at Marquette, you know, we have connection to some great resources, but we're not trying to repeat anything or, or fill in sort of push anyone out or, or redo anything. We're really trying to amplify, identify, and then and be a catalyst. Uh, and so that's kind of the the background and thinking of some of what we're doing. With that in mind, too, you know, I, I'm going to pass along to Saul, who's going to also, I think, provide some of the concrete kind of statistics behind this. So Walter laid out this this overall picture. And when you are faced with some of the numbers of of what he's talking about, I think it's really striking and what some of the needs are in Milwaukee. So Saul, will you kind of help fill in that context with some of those details? Yes, thank you, Gabe. The Bless Hub is primarily concerned with challenges related to you know, enrollment and retention of Milwaukee area Black and Latino students, post-secondary education, and the job market too. Statewide, I found out through research that Wisconsin has one of the worst uh, educational achievement gaps in the nation. While 94.5 white students statewide graduate from high school, just around 63% of Black and 67% of Latino students achieve this milestone. And, you know, when when you look at this Going into higher education, the gap only widens. You know, Milwaukee's Black and Latino students have one of the lowest rates of any group, uh, the lowest by race and ethnicity for enrolling in college, just around 60%, under 60%. And even of those who enroll, you know, just one in three uh, Latino students graduate within six years and one in five Black students graduate compared to, you know, nearly one in two white students. And even when they do, uh, get out of the educational system and they enter the job market, there are some challenges there. For example, the unemployment gap between black and white Wisconsinites, 7.6% compared to 2.8%. So there's around 5% uh, discrepancy there. And that's one of the largest in the country. And with the Hispanic population, even though it's grown over 75,000 in the past 20 years, you know, they're still significantly uh, underrepresented in jobs that pay a median wage of 
above $60,000 a year. And there's plenty more statistics backing up, you know, the need for, for blessed, for the blessed hub. And this is just some of the uh, initial statistics that we've been finding throughout, you know, this year and throughout my work doing some background data collection. Thanks for that, Saul. And, and I think those numbers are really striking. It also paints the portrait of the challenges, but again, we're coming at this with a sense of Milwaukee has a lot of positive things going on as well. And so, you know, this is this is a resilient sort of focus we're taking. And we, we cite those statistics not to sort of put us all in this woe is me and, you know, try and motivate um, pity about, you know, some of the lives and, and challenges of, of folks who are working in this ecosystem and living in it, but rather just to say there is a need, right? There is a need to continue to to think up new ways and to amplify the ways that are working to address these issues that are there. So we're going to transition a little bit. We want to talk a little bit about the work that we're doing to give you kind of a, a sense of, of some of the efforts and some of what we're thinking we could really offer to Milwaukee, to some of the organizations in this ecosystem, and then hopefully, you know, help that sort of then translate into some impact. So with that, I'm going to pass it on to Veronica to talk about one of our main projects we've been focused on this past year, which I think is a really exciting effort and, and something we're going to soon turn public, even though it will be continually in development. So Veronica, will you tell us a little bit about some of the work that, that you've been doing with us and that we've all been adding to? I really appreciate the words you just said, Dr. Velez, regarding the importance of recognizing that any city, especially Milwaukee, has its struggles, but it also has incredible talent. It has many good things going for it. And part of our work is to be able to map all of that, to map the complexity of the city of Milwaukee. So we are using a software called Kumu. K-U-M-U. And what I would love to share with the audience is what it is, what process we've used to start mapping our ecosystem, what might be some benefits or applications of Kumu for the organizations that have had conversations with us and will have conversations with us, and what are some of the takeaways. So Kumu is a mapping software. There's different types of maps that Kumu can create, systems maps, stakeholder maps, asset mapping. What we want to do at this moment, at the stage that we're at, is to visualize the connections between organizations. That visualization of the web, so we're thinking of an ecosystem, the web shows us, or it has the potential of showing us how our youth are flowing through these web. How are we supporting the flow of our youth through these web? And we're looking at the whole development of our black and brown youth. Not, so it, of course, encompasses education, but it also encompasses the, the development of their entire lives. So what is the process we've used to start visualizing this map? To date, and this is a map that continually changes, to date we, we've met with some organizations. We need to meet with many more. We meet with youth workers. We meet with leaders, one-on-one -on -one meetings. We show the people the map, the visualized map, and we talk about their organizations. Leaders and youth workers share with us what they do, and then they share with us who they're connected with, what types of partnerships, collaborations are there between organizations. We're visualizing this web. We can think of it as a net, a social net for our youth. What are some of the applications or benefits for organizations that have this conversation with us? First of all, I think there's an increased self-knowledge to be able to step back and to see the trends and patterns of these connections. If I am part of organization X, 
who am I relating to them? That will give me information that I may not have been able to see otherwise. Where might, might there be some gaps? connecting in this area, but I'm missing some connections in this other area. So that would be a benefit or an application for an organization is an increased self-knowledge. For Milwaukee, it gives us a self-assessment sort of tool. What trends or patterns are we seeing as organizations are relating to each other? How are we going counter narrative or counter discourse that there's nothing good coming out of Milwaukee? Where are those spaces? Where are we missing? Where are some gaps in our connections? That might be the places where our youth are falling through. It also gives us as a tool, it allows us to improve since now we've, we've done a degree of assessment, we can identify gaps. So it allows us to improve our services, to target our funds or our resources better. And lastly, I really believe that it will, it will help us to build capacity among organizations, having a safe space to have a conversation about what works, what doesn't work, who are we connected with and why. Some of the takeaways that we have had for the meetings that we've already held, Saul and I have been meeting with different leaders, have to do with the benefit of this visualization tool. Uh, leaders have told us that has been incredible helpful for them to see how they're connected to others. Um, there are some questions that have been brought up in conversation as we're seeing this map and as we're seeing our strengths and our, and our areas of needs. One of those questions is why does it seem that there's a high burnout rate among people of color that are in leadership positions? So what may be causing this, which then in turn causes a high turnaround of leadership within initiatives that serve black and brown youth, and that seems to then affect the continuity of those initiatives. Other questions have to do with what does success looks like? And is there a discrepancy between what a youth worker defines as successful or as needed by the youth and what funders define as successful? How does a youth worker or an organization evaluate their services? What is considered a good service? What are the outcomes? And how do funders set up their requirements as outcomes of success? There's also been some questions and conversations regarding the geographical location of things within Milwaukee being a segregated city. How does, does this geographical segregation act as a gatekeeper for opportunities for black and brown youth? And lastly, there's always there's also been conversations regarding what our understanding of racism is and racial interactions and how does trust or the lack of trust among black, brown and white leaders offers possibilities as well as limits the services and the quality that the youth receive. So these are so far just some of the takeaways we've had. We are, of course, continuing our meetings, and I'm sure these takeaways will continue to increase our collective knowledge of where we're at as a city. Thank you, Veronica, for that explanation of what we're doing. And I, I appreciate the thoughtfulness that you bring to it because this is a complex endeavor. And the way you described it, you know, shows the nuance behind it. We're not basically saying like, we're just going to take a snapshot. This requires us talking with many organizations, building relationships, and then understanding that all of this is changing and dynamic. You know, we've been having these meetings and starting to build this out during COVID. And I think it's to kind of get a baseline 
but with an understanding that this will require continual effort, continual updating, but then also essentially workshopping it with organizations and actors to understand what they can get out of it, what they think about it, and how we can make it a usable, useful resource. So with some of that in mind, I'm going to sort of pass it along back to Saul, who's going to talk about some of the ways we've been trying to get this word out, some of the, the work we've been doing in the sense of that, that public sphere and the, the dissemination part. Thanks, Gabe. Our aim with Kumu and, and BLAST, I think, is to provide the city of Milwaukee uh, an accessible and comprehensive uh, resource, as Gabe was mentioning, you know, with which it's not only researchers like us or, or, or grad students or people at the university level, but people on the ground, you know, nonprofit leaders, students, family members, you know, the ecosystem is everyone. And I think this is something that we have to stress that is, it's not only people working at the university, but it's people working with the students, with the kids in Milwaukee. And, you know, our dissemination efforts are trying to reflect that, uh, you know, because we've been focusing on drawing attention to the challenges and the need for collaboration, you know, while creating space for organizations and advocates and other nonprofit leaders to come together and, and share their experiences. And I think that the two main strategies that we've been using, number one, one of the most important ones and the one I, I really feel passionate about is the building of relationships. I think about bridges, Kumu, Curdo, the Bless Hub team, we want to build community. We want to build relationships with leaders, with students, with other uh, advocates in the area. And that is one of our core tenets for this project, you know, building relationships with the community and organizations and being connected with other institutions, NATC, for example, and, and other institutions in the Milwaukee area. Because we've been holding conversations, Veronica and I have been talking with leaders. We've held uh, panels here and there in the city because we want to understand, you know, how, how the work looks on the ground and how we're building connections and how other leaders are building connections. And for our second point, the first point being communication, for the second point of dissemination, we've been using Curdo's media and social media presence. Shout out to Ina Ramos. She's been helping a bunch with the website, with a lot of the social media stuff that, you know, I'm not uh, adept at all. I can barely open my, my Twitter page nowadays. But, you know, using what we have at our disposal, you know, the Curdo webpage, you know, that devotes a whole webpage to what we're doing, uh, you know, this podcast, for example, being able to disseminate our project with people that might not be, you know, aware of, of this project. And, you know, we're also looking at engaging with local journalists, you know, talking with community organizations. And along with that, just being a presence in Milwaukee, I think that's something that we're really trying to go for with this project. And all of the great work that we've been doing, you know, this isn't something that we stopped working at. This is something like my colleagues have been saying, dynamic, active, adaptive. We have been applying to uh, other grants besides the uh, City of Milwaukee Community Block Grant Association, the one that started this. Here at Marquette, we recently received the Advancing Social Equity Grant. So we've been using that to create new research efforts. And little by little, day by day, we are actively seeking ways in which we can promote and enhance this work. Part of that, we're hoping to sort of coordinate this podcast and part of the reason we're doing it now with our first yearly report. And we're calling this a state of the ecosystem report with awareness that that sounds very uh, authoritative in the sense of like, you know, we have a sense of this ecosystem. More than that, it's, it's really just a way to show that what we're trying to get at and, and put out there is our developing understanding of this ecosystem in order to support and engage folks who are 
enmeshed in it in their work and in their lives. And so one of our dissemination efforts will be a report on these activities with, with greater detail about some of the things we're touching on here, and that'll be released and in connection with the podcast itself. I want to now sort of pass it along back to Veronica because we're going to end with talking a little bit about what are the steps forward, right? What are the steps that we're going to be taking? What are the steps that were the ways we're encouraging folks out there to engage? What our association is going to be and, and what our ideas are for how we can maybe uh, move forward with this work and, and help create some broader change in this ecosystem. And so I'm going to pass it along to Veronica to tell us a little bit about that. So we will continue to meet with organizations and their uh, youth workers, because the more information we can gather, the more reality we can surface, the more accurate and authentic our map would look like. We want to make the Kumu mapping a public resource, uh, so we're working towards that. As we have done these past years, we, this past year, we will continue to engage student voice. We want to center our young people's experience and knowledge throughout the research, the programming, and the development of, um, and we want to develop a youth fellowship opportunity. This year, we will also engage with the 2021 Leadership and Brotherhood Summit for Young Men of Color that provides programming for youth participants. We want to be able to come a little closer to defining what success looks like for us collectively as a city of Milwaukee. And then how do we have a way of measuring this? So collecting metrics that are both qualitative and quantitative across our ecosystem so that we can start self-assessing the direction that we're taking and where we can improve. And lastly, we will continue to explore collaborative grant opportunities so that this work can be sustainable and can continue. The last thing we want to do is to be another initiative that dies within six months, which we've already made that timeline. <laughs> and then what we, we don't want to repeat, so I will say that one, that one idea again, we don't want to repeat work that's already being done and that is done well. We, we're not interested in being just another short-term short initiative. We want to be able to amplify, energize, and further the work that's already happening that shows to be effective with our youth. And that's our call. Our call is one to all organizations, grassroots, and nonprofits, coalitions, to get together into a safe space of blessed hub to have conversations about what we see is the reality of our city and how we can continue to walk in the direction that we want to walk. Thank you, Veronica. That's exactly what we're hoping for, and that's such an articulate way to describe it. Walter, I want to hand it off to you too. You know, Walter, as we've sort of mentioned, they laid out, you know, in, in many ways, him and, and Dr. Rob Smith are the vision behind this and, and have the depth of knowledge and understanding of this ecosystem. And so I also wanted to hand it off to you for what you're envisioning for, for some of our steps forward and projects we still have to take on and things that we're going to engage in more deeply. Yes, one of the things that was hindered by the pandemic was our ability to touch, if you will, more students. The the One of the goals and metrics that we intended to move, and still uh, two of the goals really that we intended to move, I mentioned earlier, one had to do with dual enrollment. 
and students coming through Milwaukee Public Schools in particular, increasing the number that were uh, enrolling in dual enrollment programs at MATC or UWM. So that is students who were taking college classes at the same time they're in high school. I did not know, but I found out during this process that that has an equity component to it because more often those opportunity in, opportunities to do dual enrollment end up with suburban students and much, much uh, not as frequently with black and brown students. So that was a real equity issue. And we were in conversation with the dual enrollment programs at MATC and UWM and uh, NPS's Black and Latino Male Achievement folks. And then the second one has to do with transfer. And we looked at the transfer moments. So students transferring from high school to college or high school to job in connection with Employ Milwaukee, amongst others, or from college to college or college to job. And in particular, the transferring from MATC, again, where the largest population is, to UWM and to Marquette and vice versa. Both of those have data points that align with some of the strategic plans of those larger institutions to increase transfers. And so to pick up on a thread that uh, Veronica mentioned is none of our work is duplicative. It's really amplifying and highlighting pre-existing work and where there are connections to be built to build those. The other thing that I, I want to mention is connecting more closely uh, with the city of Milwaukee's My Brother's Keeper program. We're already connected. They're at the table. This even actually flowed out of that project in a sense. But they have a set of metrics that they established when they launched a program some years ago. It has been uh, in some transition. And so we're also looking to tie into those educational metrics uh, as well. Uh, last sliver I just want to toss out there is there's also uh, the Campaign for Black Male Achievement, which has been re launched as the Corporation for Black Male Achievement. And there was a grant that I received as an inaugural fellow for their, their program, their leadership program, that planted some of the seeds for this whole idea of a hub uh, as well. So, so it, it's iterative work. We want to continue to build on this, this work. And to, to answer your question again, uh, in addition to what Veronica said, is, is moving students through the system, beginning to increase those numbers. Great. Thank you so much for that, Walter. And, and thank you to all of those folks out there who have been listening. And, and hopefully it's because, you know, you are folks who are interested in supporting this work and in engaging it, or you do it. You are out there in that ecosystem. You know, we we talk about this in this way, again, that we're recognizing we're here at, in Curto and Marquette. Um, but as we sort of wrap up, I want to say that we want to include and we want people telling us what it's like to be a part of this and what's going on for those who are within it. And then also just to highlight again, you know, I, I'll say, you know, I'm an academic relatively new to Milwaukee, but I really appreciate this work that we're doing and particularly the folks I get to work with and three of them we've had on the call. You know, Saul himself is from the South Side. He came up through the education system. He went to Marquette, is now a, uh, for undergraduate, is now a doctoral student. He's had many of these transitions in life that we are now looking mm -hmm. at for, for other youth and other students. Veronica has a wealth of experience in the education sphere as a teacher and is thinking through other questions as well and, and is also a doctoral student now, has two young boys of her own. So right if I mention that, you know, so she is invested in this ecosystem in multiple ways. And Walter, you know, has, has talked about a number of the things that he's involved in. So, you know, we we come at this from an approach of of being embedded and connected to it, but also recognizing that we don't have that full understanding. 
And so we want to end this with a call to, to all of you to really reach out to us, to be connected. So we'll mention we have a web page. And so if you search for Curto, uh, C-U-R-T-O on the web, and then you look for the Blessed Hub, B-L-E-S-T, you'll find a page there with uh, what we're doing, who we are, and some of our dissemination efforts as well. Um, and then you can always reach out to me, uh, Gabriel Velez, and I'm serving as the faculty director for the hub. And my email is gabriel.velez at marquette.edu. So with that, you know, thank you all for your time. Thank you to the my fellow um, participants on the podcast today, and especially to, to those in Curdo who worked to get this out there. And have really made us a part of Center that is doing some incredible work and engaging in some important questions that that have such resonance and for the lives of folks here in Milwaukee, but I think more broadly, these questions about transition, dual enrollment, uh, black and brown youth, you know, are not just a question in Milwaukee, but it's something that we are trying to engage in and, and make change in here. So thank you all and reach out to us. Thank you for listening to this episode of Quirto Conversations. You can learn more about this podcast and the work being done with our partners by visiting the Center for Urban Research, Teaching, and Outreach website at marquette.edu. You can reach the podcast via email at urbancenter at marquette.edu. Music for this episode is by Ronald E. Johnson, whose music can be found at Choco Geek on SoundCloud.